Many say that startups equal the unpolished MBA. Anyone who has built a business from an idea can attest to the fact that the experience is another level MBA, and there's nothing quite like it. Since you must be extremely resourceful and scrappy as a startup founder, quite often doing many things unconventionally, the conventional corporate MBAs consider the experience unpolished. But is it really? Honestly, having been on both sides as an engineer in corporate and then as a startup founder with an MBA, I'd have to agree with those who say that you don't need an MBA to be a startup founder. In fact, I think you learn more on how to build a company as a startup founder than you do in a structured MBA program. In fact, you certainly earn an MBA while on the job, building the company piece by piece. Build the plane on the way down, they say. Well, that's exactly what it is. But there are lessons to be shared to help both sides learn from each other. The Unpolished MBA Podcast, will be the sharing of candid conversation related to topics on both sides of the fence. One is not better than the other, just different. Let's jump in. Hi, I'm your host, Monique Mills. In my work, I get to have great conversations with a lot of smart and interesting people. Some of them are tech startup founders and entrepreneurs in various industries, and then others are corporate employees. I'm sharing a conversation that I had with Tondalea Carter, a realtor with Keller Williams Commercial. And she talks about how it was having her MBA in a corporate setting, but also how it's been helpful to her on her entrepreneurial journey. She also talks about how she basically innovated herself out of a job in corporate and just decided to bet on herself. Listen in to some of the stories that she shares with us in this conversation. I'm going to ask you the top questions that I ask everyone on the Unpolished MBA and just to give people some context on this conversation. Number one, entrepreneur or corporate employee? I am an entrepreneur. So how did you arrive at entrepreneurship? Oh, wow. Um, I think I arrived at it after, let me start. I got my MBA in the middle of the 2008, 9, 10 crisis of everybody losing their houses. I was still, I was one of those people on the chopping block. And so I was trying to figure out how I'm going to prove myself. And I could just gotten laid off from a big company and I went after my MBA. Did you think the MBA was going to help you prepare for yep. getting another job? So you got it. Oh, words out my mouth because I'm thinking, oh, education—that's the next key. Oh, everyone so thinks go that. Go get that MBA, and I'm going to be the next vaccine because I used to work for this big blue company, and everybody loves them. So my resume is going to speak for myself, and I thought that was my path. So close to graduation, probably like 60 days before graduation, I got an opportunity from a headhunter to work for a company and run their, help run their accounting department. So I took it. And main reason I took it because the current company I was at, I was so unhappy um, and I needed to leave. I am spending about two and a half years at the company I took after graduation at position. And I ended up changing their accounting department 
to the point that I kind of streamlined myself out of a job. I didn't no longer needed to work 830 to 5. I could work 830 to 12 and my job was done for the day. Wow. Um, because they, when I joined the company, they were operating on a system that was over 25, 30 years old. They were still mailing out invoices and the people needed to pay them in 10 days. Well, if you're demanding someone to pay it in 10 days, you need to get it to them quicker than the snail mail. Yeah. So, so I had, yeah, I, yeah, I took that and I, I ran with it. First, I was observing how did they run their company. And then another lady that was in the accounts payable department, she said, do what you need to do. She said, stop worrying about how they're running. Cause she said, you can tell that this company's outdated. People had been there for 30 years. I mean, the person, the reason why I got the job is a prior person, unfortunately passed away due to cancer. She had been there for 25 years. So it was a, still the same process. They hadn't changed anything. But, so you innovated your way yep, out of a job. Out of a job, girl. <laughs> and, the, and the owner didn't, the controller, not the owner, but the controller didn't want me to go. He was just like, I know you're bored because he hates to see you're sitting there doing nothing, but you should be doing something. It is a job. But I would tell him, I was like, I've already fixed everything for you guys. Everybody's money's coming in. I mean, it was, it was, the money was much better. We didn't have to have everybody keep FedEx as the checks and to get it here on time. They couldn't find a way for you to continue to provide value to customers, like other positions internally, or they weren't, they weren't innovating. It sounds like they were very old school. So yes. And it wasn't your average business either. It was um, old school corporate. Yes, it's very old school corporate. That building at one time, I'm sure, had at least a thousand employees. Uh, by the time I get there, it was six or seven of us in the whole building. And most wow. of the building was already shut down. Uh, it was a failed business bought out of bankruptcy. And the guy who owned it lived in Illinois. And his, his business model was he bought farms or chicken farms along those lines that were failing he buy them when they went into bankruptcy and he pays cash for them. Well, so that, he, that's, uh, that we, we know people do that in the real estate industry, right? Bingo. <laughs> Go to foreclosure and they already got the money ready to buy. Yeah. So he bought a business, the building and a whole shebang, you know? So, got it. yeah. So I was really coming in the middle of people who had been there forever and I was a newbie on the block and had to prove myself. Um, so it sounds like you got I, into entrepreneurship uh, out of uh, necessity. Yep. Um, I got into out of necessity because I had was sitting at that desk half the time, bored out of my mind. Tran- at the time, I was still running um, real estate deals at the desk, <laughs> <laughs> which I knew was a little disrespectful. So that's why I tried to like go into lunchroom during my lunchtime, make my calls, you know, send contracts or whatever the situation was to, to get that done in an hour and a half. Um, but he, after a while knew what I was doing and he wasn't mad because he was so pleased at what I had done for the company. And he said, well, I understand that you're going to leave. And he said, well, I'm just hiring somebody part-time. He said, because the job isn't full-time. He said, if you want to stay, I'll keep it a full-time job to give you full-time pay. And it still just wasn't enough because I was bored. I am the kind of person I need to go do, feel like I've accomplished something. So after that, I left him. I was working for a friend. She had her own small real estate company. And I asked her, could I join? She and I have been friends before she even opened up the company. As a matter of fact, I helped her open the company because she was a real estate agent that wanted to do her own thing. Mm-hmm. And I helped her get her LLC started and stuff like that because she thought she had to hire a lawyer. I was like, girl, let me save you some money. No. So- <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, definitely, that's definitely something people think. And actually, I don't even think you should create an LLC until you see if there's even a demand. Of course, 
real estate, right, there is right. a demand for for that. Yeah. But for so all she of was already companies. in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do so you I think know- having your MBA uh, has been useful to you in this journey, or it has been excellent? It has definitely been excellent. I when I graduated with my MBA, I felt like somebody had given me the magic pill, and my brain opened up. I said, "This is." the information I've been searching for all these years Um, because I knew I knew more I just didn't know how to execute it and I got my MBA it helped me learn to think outside of the box Mm -hmm. Um, the ideas and things that I had it kind of confirmed that I wasn't nuts (laughs) that it was okay to think that way Uh so with me helping her prior to me even working for her getting that started made me feel pretty good. And when I knew I could go to her and say, hey, can I hang my license here? And, she, and I told her, I'm still kind of green. I don't do a whole bunch of real estate because I got you know, chopped down when the market got shot down like most real estate agents did. And um, she was willing to train me. And I learned a lot from her. And I started getting a lot of people asking about commercial. So if anybody doesn't know, real estate agents really do own their own business. They're entrepreneurs. I am 100% independent. I am um, 100% on 100% commission. So this is your own business. So I learned from her how to run a business and how this works and the, how important CRMs are and, and building clientele and a reputation because I really felt like I was starting all over. You know? it's, um, yeah, but it so also I learned sounds a lot. like yeah. you learned a lot about um, building a business in mm-hmm. your entrepreneurship journey once you started connecting once you started working with your friend that was in real estate mm-hmm. see those kind of day-to-day um how you actually do it like tactically yes. i mean you can speak about theory about a lot of different things but actually being in and it's like okay now what do i do mm-hmm. you got that from working from from actually yep. doing it versus in your mba is that is i mean am i reading that correct um, I would say a little bit of both. I okay. would say she taught me, like you said, the hands-on, the, the things that people don't think about when they open a business. They just know they want to own the latest Wendy's restaurant. You know, mm-hmm. she I really know behind the scenes how real estate works and this stuff ain't free. It's really expensive for us to run a whole business. But I knew that that knowledge that I had worked really well in commercial because see the reason why i ended up leaving her company is because she didn't know anything about commercial real estate it wasn't her forte and it's okay so i was trying to learn it and i ended up going with another company because they were willing to teach me what i was thirsting to know that's right so i got to Ohio, uh so you'll definitely see that and i wanted to leave this small town and and travel and, and do all these things and down i i live in the notorious planned communities here in Florida that you mm-hmm. see all over <laughs> yeah. the news because that's kind of your choices, mm-hmm. um, which I like where I live and everything. But you'll see a mix of both. Very similar comment, you know, and I have a very similar experience of what you just articulated. I really couldn't say it much wow. better, honestly. So I, I definitely see that in the community as well. So if it makes you feel any better, at least in my area of the state, and I've lived in two planned communities you definitely have kind of a group that's going in and, you know, working and either side hustling. They have their own businesses and entrepreneurs or they're doing the corporate gig. In this clip, Bethany talks about how she ended up in the pharmaceutical innovation space without coming from a science background. It's very interesting. Keep listening. 
So one of the things I noticed that you mentioned earlier was about being in the pharmaceutical, biomedical kind of innovation. Like, how did you get to to that? Is your background in science at all? So actually, no, my background is not in science. Um, but it does all go together, believe it or not. Uh, oh. I was raised by um, I was raised by a nurse. My aunt is also a nurse, so uh, and then another aunt is a nurse. So I was definitely exposed to the medical community growing up. Uh, when I actually did my undergraduate school, it's very known for pharmaceutical studies and getting your PharmD. So several of my friends are either medical doctors, pharmacists, chemists all of those types of degrees. I'm one of the few business degrees uh, that are out there. So I've been very exposed, you know, that way through my friendships, different connections there. Mm -hmm. And then um, through my day, my day corporate job, I manage field level accounts. And so I handle all different kinds of industries and pharmaceutical healthcare is part of that as well. So with that being said, I kind of took that basis and understanding that growth market uh, and that exposure and combined it with my business background and here's my dissertation <laughs> and how that all, all comes together. So that's how that happened. And then how I ended up with a, a global uh, study is my master's. I actually have a global master's of business administration, my undergrad graduate degrees, international business and economics. So that's where all that context came from. So it's really kind of all of these puzzle pieces that came together and that's what was produced. Um, and I do enjoy a very much learning about uh, the breakthroughs and the therapies, how those things um, help people, you know, cope with disease, live comfortably uh, when they need to with more long-term diseases that we're still you know, trying to find cures for. And I think that's a very important and meaningful line of work, despite some of the controversy that is in that part of the industry. You know, one of the things that I know we wanted to talk about is how, you know, there's unnecessary judgment between those that's launching a business and then those, you know, with, let's say, with or without a formal education. And one of the things you had mentioned was how you have your education and you certainly have a lot of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but I, you know, and how having like having both is good and how a lot of expensive mistakes can happen if you don't have a, a good balance of real life working experience along with, you know, the education. No, so, absolutely. So I just wanted you to kind of share your viewpoint on the balance right? That's necessary, that you think is necessary um, to be successful. No, absolutely. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a long-winded answer, but hopefully not a boring one. Um, so I was actually raised by entrepreneurs. So my mom was a nurse, um, but my mom and dad also had uh, a building business and they developed some small bits of land um, back in the small town that I'm from. And my aunt had a restaurant and, and things like that as well. So my dad actually did not have his formal education and my mother had her nursing degree, et cetera. My aunt didn't, she went and did some culinary training in Europe um, and then came back and did her restaurant. So when you talk to my dad's side of the family, it's experiences king is very much, I think a very traditional entrepreneurial mindset, go out there, try it. What are you doing to, to bring in the money and bring in the sales? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
where what was kind of interesting in my background, my mom, she did have that formal foundation and that formal training with her nursing degree. Mm -hmm. uh, so she would bring in some of those different skill sets of, okay, let me look at my financials in a little different way, you know, or go and find the information to guide you through and come up with some planning for the business. And the combination was really good. So my dad was more of the risk taker. My mom would kind of reel him in at times, right? Yeah. <laughs> so where I'm going <laughs> in the long-winded explanation, you need both. Um, the answer, I believe, is somewhere in between. I think it's uh, completely a, an unnecessary judgment that is out there. Um, I think you need big business to partner with small business because you need those networks and those collaborations with big, big business and some of the knowledge that gets transferred down to the small business to help them be successful and support them. Uh, and their value added services. I also think you need that nimbleness and that grit of being an entrepreneur and not being scared to go out there, hey, it's not perfect yet, let's get it to market and start get, you know, getting feedback um, to start to make some money. I can't just sit there thinking about it all the time. We gotta like go and do it. You gotta execute, um, that's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so with that being said, I think it's kind of a marriage of everything. Your education is really there to enhance and complement your talent mm -hmm. when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. So when I look at my doctoral program, you know, there was a personal journey uh, in there about my critical thinking skills or how I might problem solve a little bit differently. Um, where in my, you know, MBA program, it was case study work and things happening, you know, with that and how I can apply a real world example and make that uh, academic theory become a little more tangible or, or crystal. Um, but do I think you can be successful without a formal education? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, do I think it helps and you might avoid some mistakes if you understand some of the basics of, you know, the financial end of running a business and having a strategic plan to guide you for some goals? Mm -hmm. I think that helps a lot because there is a lot of waste in terms of finances, time, resources, uh, helps your branding, et cetera, you know, when you're a little more solid when you come out to market or go to market with your new product or solution to a problem in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. But um, I think all the pieces work together and everybody has a piece of knowledge to share. And I often, very often hear this kind of clash, you know, between yeah. the big. So you, you'll get a bunch of different test cases for it. So with, with this experience, do you think in the future you may consider having your own agency or, or company at in some point in the future as an entrepreneur? That's a great question. So I have, um, man, I have, I have considered that um, for sure. I, I really have gotten the entrepreneurial bug, I think, in the last okay. year and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been thinking about product companies or, or companies that I could do. Um, I kind of keep going back to my, my, my roots in the, in the industrial space and thinking about kind of tech plays that I could do on that space because, you know, I'm thinking about, I think the best companies ideas come from problems you experience as, um, as uh, in your, in your profession. So I think about, well, like Casey Graham did at Gravy and the story of how he formed Gravy was when he was getting ready to sell his company, the investment firm told him that, um, you know, you have all these failed payments and that's where the whole idea from Gravy spawned, right? And mm -hmm. so it's just like recognizing a problem that you experience in your own professional life and then applying that to a business idea. So I do have some ideas for that. Um, basically some versions of other tech companies that are very focused in the industrial space. And then, yeah, I mean, consulting is definitely another thing that I've thought about. I've, you know, certainly have friends of mine who have talked to me about doing it down the road, um, video marketing or just 
a content marketing consulting for industrial companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely been, definitely been a route that I'm interested in. I've had people tell me they think that that's in my future, but uh, right now I'm, 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 I'm been a gorilla for like a month and I'm, I'm really enjoying the ride and, and the experience so far. And so I'm going to, I'm going to get out of gorilla of what gorilla gives back to me, which has been a lot so far. And then, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm ready to make that next step, I'll start, I'll start laying the groundwork for it. In this next part, Matthew shares the biggest career decision he made in 2020 that enabled him to land two jobs during a pandemic when many people were being challenged with being laid off and even finding one job. It's one of those things where these opportunities fell into his lap because he made this one major decision. Keep listening to find out what it was. All right, so the podcast is actually interesting. That was probably the biggest career decision I made in 2020. Um, so I started the podcast in in March uh, with MJ Peters, who uh, I'm sure more people on your podcast know MJ than know me. <laughs> <laughs> MJ is just, oh, she's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's called The Industrial Marketer. And so we basically kind of found our niche. And it's like, we're going to talk about strategic and tactical marketing in the industrial space. And so we're going to speak directly to marketers in this space who, you know, they probably hear a lot in the SaaS space, but don't quite know how to apply it in an industrial context. And so we felt we had enough knowledge and authority to do that. And so we did, um, as well as talk about the things that have been successful for us in our, in our time at industrial companies. So um, that got me the job at Gravy. Uh, by and large, and it also got me the opportunity at, at, at Gorilla. I mean, branching out and, and taking the leap with those sorts of content efforts uh, tend to be the kind of best that pay off big. So mm-hmm. yeah. I'd recommend for anyone listening here who's thinking about um, podcasts as a content medium for a business, yeah, it, it works. I mean, invite your customers on it, invite your prospects on it, invite your subject matter experts at your company on it. I would even go so far as to say invite your competitors on it, to be honest. I mean, whether yeah. you want to build community and you want to build following, um, don't exist. Don't let your content exist in a silo. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely be, be the, be the authority in the space you want to, you want to work in. And so MJ and I, I mean, I, I've brought on people from companies that I competed against when I was at Benzel. Uh, I brought on, you know, I, I brought on Joe as who's agency who had his own podcast. We brought on people who have their own episodic content series because we just recognize it's valuable and useful for our audience. And so mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not really doing the, the podcast with the intent of selling anybody anything, but people end up wanting to come to us to sell us opportunity. And it's, I just think it's, it's funny how that works when you, when you do content for the sake of providing value how value ends up coming back to you. Okay, that's it. Matthew shared his journey from hating a job that he was great at to making the decision to invest in himself and bet on himself and also put himself out there. Though it takes courage, he did it and each time it paid off and continues to. It's hard to leave a place of comfort, especially when you have responsibilities and family responsibilities, just like Matthew has. But if you are indeed miserable in your current role, my hope is that this episode brings you hope. There is opportunity on the other side of your fears. And the saying is true that when one door closes, another one opens.
The Unpolished MBA conversation continues, and you can be a part of it by going to unpolishedmba.com. Thank you for listening.